Welcome to the latest episode of the We Are Sailing podcast. I'm Nick Johnson and I'm joined by Chairman Mike Goodwin and Chief Executive John Crute. We discuss the achievement of reaching the playoffs, we talk about plans for next season and look back on the past year since the Community Trust took over the running of the club. Mike starts by reflecting on the return of supporters to the Technique Stadium. Yes, Nick, it was fantastic. Uh, I mean, what a great day and um, the result was right as well. So, um, you know, it's quite an emotional day to get our supporters back in the ground and I thought they were awesome. To have them on all four, four sides of the ground as well made such a, such a difference. Uh, and I'm sure that that's what um, helped the lads get through the game and, and win in the end. So, yeah, absolutely fantastic. John, your thoughts on that game? Yeah, um, a great... Uh, a great celebration really of being back in the stadium uh, and relief from my point of view as well because uh, there'd been so much work put into it and you know the ticket office the volunteers and um, we had to put I think it was 7,000 stickers on seats which is no mean feat um, and uh, so just the fact that the social distancing work we had the members of the safety advisory group here and they'd got no issues with it so for our stewards, Tony Booker, and the volunteers that did the work, that that was also a massive plus for me as well because that puts us in good stead moving forward and also shows people like the Safety Advisory Group and reiterates really how seriously we take their comments and advice on board. I thought it was great, um, great for the club, you know, great advert for the club, and um, and a number of people that did fantastic work. Um, to actually bring that about, principally Terry Ward. Uh, I mean, we've talked about Terry and his bubbles for quite a while, um, but um, I think he was relieved that everything went to plan. Uh, and the fact that we got a, a real big tick from the safety advisory group, I think is, is great credit on everybody that worked hard on that. A lot of people in the ticket office put a lot of hours in uh, going up to that match. So, um, you know, my thanks go out to everybody um, who participated in that. So, great job, well done. Yeah. And um, looking forward to seeing them next season. Absolutely, and uh, and I hope Boris decides that on the 19th of July that um, we can have our fans back in. So that means for our pre-season friendlies, we'll have fans in. But uh, the most important thing is to hit the ground running come the 21st of August with supporters here. Uh, and that'll be great. The proper football again. <laughs> and one of the things that we did before the uh, Dagenham Redbridge match was we uh, paid tribute to uh, those supporters who... Uh, sadly no longer with us who uh, were shown on the big screen and a uh, very emotional time I think uh, and uh, people breaking out into spontaneous applause which uh, added to the the emotion of the occasion. Yeah I, from, from a personal point of view I thought it was really emotional um, when I saw that go up on the screens and I thought it was very classy of the club the way that that was done it, it was understated but hit the note just right um, and a number of people have said to me afterwards how pleased they were that uh, they'd seen their relatives up there and, uh, and it was a real good thing that the club had done. And I think it's something that you know, maybe we should consider doing um, for coming years um, so that we reflect upon people that we've lost over the past season. And I think that that would actually um, be a, a real good thing that we should do. What do you think, John? Yeah, I think uh, I agree, Mike. I mean, we do have on the eve of the start of every season... Um, last year apart of course um, we do have a service in the memorial garden um, where family members come down from supporters we lost and that's always well attended yeah. and quite emotional 
but it's I think it's something that's really important because the memorial garden around uh, near the hub. Um, if fans have not been, I'd encourage them to go and have a look at it because I certainly think it's one of the best ones in any football ground in this country. And it was, of course, entirely paid for by supporters. We, the Trust and Phil Tooley particularly played a big part in it and, and others, Ian Browse and others, um, that we raised, I think it was about £35,000. Um, so we do that at, anyway. But I have actually been contacted by a few people saying, look, you know, once we're through this sort of dreadful pandemic a bit further through, is there something the club might look at doing and I think that uh, the the answer to that is well we're open to ideas really yeah absolutely and uh, we welcome anything coming from supporters on that one so yeah something to look forward to I think that showed as well as the uh, the general atmosphere on the day really just what the club does mean to supporters to people who'd not been able to come for so long to the stadium and uh, really did hammer home the, the, the importance of the club to the community. Absolutely, I mean, we, we've said this ever since we've taken over that this is now a community football club. It's here for our supporters and for the rest of the community. And I think if, if you look on social media, you know, fans are loving what the club is, is trying to do and the direction that it's taking. And um, I think that the work that the trust is doing in the community, uh, not just around going into schools and, and training kids to play football, but all of the other work that's being done around education and the programmes that we do is, is groundbreaking and, and some of the things that have happened lately, um, which we'll perhaps talk about in a while, is, um, you know, is, is something that a National League club um, is really, really credited with doing. You know, there's not a lot of community trusts that are doing this sort of thing um, and the fact that Chesterfield as a non-league club are doing it just shows the size of, of the club itself. Yeah. Yeah, it. I agree, Mike. It. Uh, I think you know the work the trust does really gives a great foundation stone really in the community. And as you say, Nick, it hammers it home. Um, just what it means to the community, hammers it home just like a, a Danny Rill free kick. <laughs> yes, a good point. Um, yeah, he he does get behind them. It's fair to say. <laughs> yeah, and of course the Dagenham was where uh, it was as well, wasn't it? Where he was uh, scoring so. Well, in terms of the community trust, I, I would love to see us next season um, you know, push forward with this uh, new community stand uh, up in the north stand there, um, which on most match days we should be using as a community stand and we'll um, have people who are inviting all of the kids down there with the parents and, and whatever um, for their first uh, sample of, of Chesterfield Football Club. Yeah, um, yeah. And also maybe the security services and the... Um, public services as well that's yeah. something that you mentioned to me before yeah we have actually done in the past when we've had you know an emergency services day or whatever and we've invited them down yeah yeah i think nhs workers need to be somewhere near the top of the Absolutely. list as well yeah um but uh, but i agree mark i think that uh, you know the trust has got an aim next year with our obviously with our support is that next year we can make Chesterfield make it the season where more people watch Chesterfield for the first time than have ever done before, and if we can do that with a younger age group from from school children from the multitude of schools we work with, um, I know the community trust staff are really keen to to get behind it and and, and make it happen. Yeah, and I'm sure they will. Now, as we look at uh, plans for next season. Fans are asking, as, uh, as they always do around this time of year, 
about the new kits. So uh, perhaps, John, you could give us an update on the uh, the kits for next season. Yep, yep. Well, with the new kit, we're looking at coming in uh, early July. We've, we've had confirmation that that's when it'll be in. Um, so it's it's looking great. And... Uh, um, we will have the club shop ready, f- ready for supporters to uh, to buy it uh, in person or online. Really, what can you tell us about your thoughts on the the designs? Um, I think it's a, it's a great design. Um, it's with Puma again, um, slightly different than last year, um, but uh, um, I certainly like it. Um, and James has had a look at it, and he's certainly on board with it. So I think it looks smart. It looks good. Um, and um, will be a credit to the football club. And also, we've had uh, this week uh, some new leisure wear as well from Puma come into the uh, club superstore, which really does look good. Yeah, it does. It looks great. It looks great. That's a yeah. great feedback on social media, Mike, to that. Was it? I, I was going to say that I've, uh, I've seen that we've got some new leisure wear in there, and it, and it does look classy. It looks really good. Yeah. One of the things that I know some of our sports are wondering about is, is what is our away kit going to be like next year? Um, we we launched the white and green, yeah. hardly ever played in it, and, yeah. and I think there are a few uh, people scratching their heads as to why, because it looks such a nice kit. Yeah, I, I like it. I, I like that kit. I think it just depends on who we're playing against and the, the colours, and um, I know Jason, the kit man, is on it. Uh, you know, weeks before we play them, contacting clubs, what are you playing in? But I think it's something that we can look at is using potentially that one a bit more. Before we press on with plans, I, I think it's right that we, that we just reflect on the the end of the season. We talked about Dagenham, but of course uh, we got to the uh, to the playoffs and had a match away at Notts County. We're leading, but unfortunately uh, we're unable to hold on to, to claim the win. And uh, I think everybody obviously initially was uh, very much disappointed, of course, but then with time to reflect, I think there's a lot of pride in uh, even getting to the playoffs, Mike. Yeah, yeah, a huge amount of pride in, in getting there. From where we were back in November last year, uh, I don't think any of us really dreamed that we would make the playoffs. Um, I was hoping that uh, you know one of the things for me was to not skirt with relegation again, and a, a mid-table finish would have been um, a decent <coughs> season for us. But you know the game at Halifax, um, you know, pushed us into the playoffs, and, and that was a hell of an occasion um, there. And uh, you know the, the place is changing over the last ten minutes as people scored and then equalised, and and then we put the winner in. Um, so just to get there was a was a huge huge um, relief to me, but um, also then to get to Notts County. I mean, the game at Notts County was was fantastic. The occasion was fantastic. The weather was brilliant. The setting was uh, tremendous, and I have to say, Notts County welcomed us with open arms. They they were really really good, um, and the Notts County supporters um, they'd spread them all around four sides of the ground, and they were awesome. They made a real difference, and I think that that was a big big factor. Uh, in um, why we didn't win, um, but also I think the boys played really well on the day, um, and there, but for the grace of God, we, we could have actually been into the um, into the, uh, the um, semi-final and been down at Torquay. Um, so yeah, I think um, we were all hugely disappointed, especially having gone ahead twice. But reflecting on it since, um, I think it was great pride in where we got to and. Uh, 
more determined, make us more determined for this season to uh, to make sure that we go one better than that. And get promoted. Yeah, now we've had a taste of it, Mike. We want more, don't we? We do, we do, and our supporters do as well. Yeah. And, and there was a huge amount of pride um, coming out from the supporter base um, on social media after the game. A uh, bit of disappointment, but you know, hugely thankful um, to um, James Rowe and the lads for, for where they've taken us this season, to be honest. Yeah, I've been. I had an email exchanged with the CEO at uh, Notts County this week, and we were just sort of amongst ourselves just saying how many would we have got in actually uh, if it wasn't for covid and they say they would have given us four thousand and we would have uh, we would have filled that and i think that could well have just you know that that would have taken us from um being in the game for 89 minutes to well in, uh, over 90 minutes um, as you say um you know uh, uh, we found from the dagenham game the crowds make a difference um and Notts County was saying they would have they they would have anticipated fifteen thousand for that game. Yeah. I mean that was the only downside for me that you know a bit surreal really when we scored Mike there were what six or seven of us got up <laughs> yeah. in four and a, in four and a half thousand yeah, you know true. Um, true. but we made sure the players could hear us anyway so that was good. But the occasion for me uh, I mean it was an occasion worthy of the player final yeah not not just a quarter final side of things and. Um, I think the quality of football was, was tremendous and uh, you know, I think any of those two clubs would um, more than hold their own in League 2 and the top half of League 2 at that as well. I, you know, I, I find it very frustrating that um, you know, the fact that there's very little difference in terms of the quality between the EFL League 2 and the National League, um, that there's still only two people, two teams sorry, get promoted uh, from the National League up into EFL 2 um, when all other um, echelons of the game have four up and four down. We we have four down from the National League into the National League North and South. You know, there's four go up from League Two into League One, but coming down from League Two, there's only two clubs, and um, that just makes it doubly difficult to get out. So, and, and increasingly, it's becoming more and more like a, 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 an EFL League Two. I mean, you know, you look at the clubs come down this year, South End and. You know, we welcome back Grimsby. Who, you know, we've had many a great game against Grimsby, and they'll bring a crowd here as well. You know, as long as Boris will allow it. Um, so, you know, it's uh, every year you, you see traditional EFL clubs like ourselves moving into the National League. Well, the top half of um, the National League this next season it could well be made up of um, ex football league clubs. You know, when you look at the likes of. Um, you know, either Hartlepool or Torquay, Notts County, Wrexham, Halifax, Yeovil, ourselves, then Grimsby, Southend. You know, there's a lot of clubs there that um, have got EFL experience. It makes it a real challenge to to get out and get it promoted. Does, yeah. It's not, you know, it really is a challenge. I mean, we look at Wrexham. I think I think I'm right in saying it's 15 years now they've That's been in this I've league. Heard, yeah. Um, and you know they're, they're a traditional, great traditional club. You yeah. know, and whenever I go there, I did um, the first thing they talk about is the you know the FA Cup quarter final, <laughs> and uh, and we talk back. In fact, you know we we, we met their players who have uh, watched play at Saltergate many a time. So of course it's a, a much shorter break between the uh, the two seasons than normal because of the uh, situation with uh, COVID. But plans well underway for the uh, the new campaign, and already we've seen some new faces arrive at the Technique Stadium, John. Yeah, yeah, we have. Um, James has been busy again. Um, <laughs> <isn't it? laughs> um, 
he doesn't seem to have a close season I don't think James really but uh, I don't think he sleeps no no I don't think he does from the messages and the time I get the messages from him I'm sure he doesn't uh, but yeah James is working hard on uh, you know it's an ongoing process really we've uh, had a transformation in the team since uh, particularly since James has come in um, and uh, you know we we finished sixth last year and we want to we want we want to push on again that's what it's about uh, both on and off the pitch really um, but as you say it's a shorter close season but I suppose for the players this they can't really go abroad, so they've, uh, they might want to might be quite happy to get back playing. <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, we we brought a couple of signings in. Um, there are some more in the pipeline. Uh, I think that um, you know the next week or two, uh, supporters will see some new faces that will strengthen the team even further. Um, one of the things that James has been pushing for has been seven subs instead of five, and I think that that came to uh, lie very much at the Notts County game. And Chesterfield have actually written to the National League supporting a, a move to seven subs for next season. So we'll wait with interest to see whether that uh, whether that happens or not. Um, but the other thing that's happening, of course, is that um, the pitch is due to be uh, taken up. Um, I thought it was today, but it uh, doesn't look as though it's. No, it's imminently. It may be even later today, Mike. Oh, so, yeah, so, so yeah. They're, they're, about to kick off with it, aren't they? We need to get it moving straight away. So we've got, yeah, we've got to get. We need a better playing service for next year, and, yeah. uh, and that's what we'll be looking at. It's been really difficult planning it this year, which is great news because of the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, because, of course, you know, um, James has been using the pitch as a training ground right up until uh, until we played at Notts County. So it was difficult to to um, to tell the um, grounds company that uh, when they could have access to it and, and of course it's not just a case of saying no oh, actually we're not you know we've, we've we're out of the playoffs now can you start on Monday because they schedule work and schedule. so you know they've got plans to sell for and and you wouldn't expect any difference so um, it that has presented its challenges as well but uh, um, we should be all right for the um, the first of the home yeah 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 we yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Now we've announced uh, one home pre-season friendly so far, which is against uh, Bradford City. But yep. uh, how many more can we expect, John? Do you think? I think there should be a couple more at least. I yeah, think we've got two more in the pipeline. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, you know we'll uh, we'll we'll look to go into Matlock as well, which I know is important to supporters. Uh, Boris uh, allowing, of course. Yeah, Matlock is always a very popular fixture. Yeah, and I know they're delighted when uh, we agree to play there, and it has become something of a an annual fixture, really. Yeah, it has. I, I said to James, sort of, as soon as we started looking at pre-season friendlies, you know, it's strange, really, because you look about, and Matlock was the one that I said to James, look, you know, we'll be going to Matlock, and James wasn't that he was fine with it, but I said to him, look, you know, that, that's that's one for the fans they always enjoy that we've gone there it's a and 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 equally important it's it, it's is it it's important to to uh, to Matlock because i know last year because of we'd got covid in the camp we had to cancel it and uh, you know it brings valuable funds to Matlock as well which uh, which is great if we can help at one one of our smaller clubs and fellow clubs in the county that's great so so that's another reason really and of course, we're also going to uh, Alfreton Town as well, so uh, be good to to go back there to uh, yep. to kick things off. Yeah, it will. 
it will it's not too far of a journey so uh, and but we did play there last year we we we, we that must have been before I can't remember is that before Covid at the camp I can't remember yeah, it, or, well, was it, or was it after um, it I can't remember before, to be honest. it was I think before Covid hit the camp no no, it wasn't I think well, the manager I think John Pemberton had Covid at the time but the team were clear from it uh, right, so right. At, uh, Alfreton. I remember but it is a shame for Alfreton this year because it's, it's due to be played on the 17th which is two days before the July 19th <laughs> oh yeah I haven't thought of that to be honest that we can go. so you know there won't be fans allowed in there um, other than maybe some home fans. Yeah. Um, but when we go um, to Matlock, it should be lifted and, and there should be fans able to be allowed into um, the ground from both sides. Yeah. Just this is one for you, perhaps, uh, Nick, really. Um, practically, subject to Alfin agreement, obviously, would there be chance of streaming that game? I was just thinking that when, uh, when we were talking, it's something I'd not considered before. Um, but. Um, yeah, it, it's it's not as easy to uh, to do that from the away ground because of the equipment involved. But it's certainly something that we will explore and see if if there is any possible way of doing it um, because it does rely on a, a stable internet connection as well. So uh, the last thing we'd want to do is to promise something that we can't deliver effectively. So it's a possible, but. Um, at this stage, I wouldn't like to commit and say yes, we can we can definitely do that. But that does lead us on to the whole issue of live streaming next season, and of course we are um, waiting to find out whether we'll be given the go ahead. It's a very popular question that I see on social media. People sending me messages as well. Will we still be doing live streaming? Well, of course we want to do that, but it's uh, it's all a case of whether the National League and BT Sport will agree to that. And I believe John. Uh, that is something that will be discussed at, at a, a National League AGM. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if it's been brought up actually at the AGM, but I know discussions are in and around the National League with it, and they've been talking to BT and others, and certainly on um, Zoom meetings that we've had, that's been brought up, and the National League have sort of said, yes, we're on it, we're talking to people. Um, you know, we're canvassing opinion from roundabout and, and seeing what we can do. I think I think the, the groundswell is that something would be great. Um, I'm not quite sure what the parameters would be um, because as you say BT you know they pay for for the rights to the league and uh, it's only right that they obviously have a, have a say in, in what's decided. Now I wonder and this is only me um, thinking out loud and, and not anything that I've been told at all but I just wonder whether it might be restricted to say midweek matches. So if you think about it if we had a game down south on a Tuesday night, difficult for people to get down there, but they would want to watch it on a stream. So it's not really going to impact on the attendance, yeah. but um, you know it would generate revenue. Yeah. So um, you know that is possibly something that might be considered. So fingers crossed because it has been a great success this season. Absolutely, I know there's been mixed um, quality, let's say, from from different clubs, but. Uh, I think that uh, it is something that, that has been very popular and, and fans have really bought into. Yeah. It's not, it's not just also for fans who can't travel midweek. I mean, we have a lot of supporters all over the world. Yeah. And yeah. in different parts of the country that can't get to see Chesterfield games. And I think one of the great things is they've been able to um, be part of the club again by yeah. watching them play every week. Uh, and I think that that's just as important as, as anything else in terms of the streaming. 
And I know Mark Ives um, spoke to me about it, and uh, I think the National League are keen uh, to do the streaming, but it's all to do with the contract with BT Sport. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. I mean, may, maybe they'll restrict it to a, you know, an area around the club. You know, if you're within a certain area, you can't do it. I don't know how they technically would do that, but I know at one time um, you could. We actually had um, some facility where people overseas could um, buy a season ticket for a hundred and odd quid to listen to games or, or whatever. So I don't know whether there's any scope around that, but certainly um, Chesterfield would support whatever. Uh, we can get on that one. Definitely. One of the things I think earlier in the season, Nick, I seem to remember you you providing us with a report from the streaming company of where people were. I think you know because it surprised me they were in North America and Australia and Central America were quite a few. So um, I'm just wondering maybe if you can get us that report for a future podcast and we can just give a few figures out. I think I think fans would be interested to know who's paying to watch it around the world. Yeah, I think it would be good if we could get a, a report from the whole season to really sum it up and um, and, and show yeah. where people are watching. And let's not forget, of course, that you'll have fans who are reluctant to uh, to return at the moment, and um, you know will will want to watch it on a live stream rather than attend live. And that that leads us on to uh, season tickets because, of course. The deadline for the early bird discount is coming up. That's at the end of the month. And uh, perhaps you can tell us, John, just how season ticket sales have been going. Yeah, they've uh, they've been going well. I mean, it's been an, an unusual year because we put them on sale early and, you know, people have been ringing up and saying, how sure are we that, you know, we'll be able to get in and all the rest of it. And uh, But, uh, but yeah, they, they're going really well. Obviously, there's an air of positivity around, uh, around the club at the moment, which is great. Um, and I've been down actually this morning and checked and we're up to almost 2,000 now and the best selling time really over the next few weeks is still to come which is great and shows great faith in us and it's uh, it's great that people um, well want to come and see the team that we're putting together really because you know if you weren't able to get to the Dagenham game there'll be very few faces that are playing in the first game of next season that you actually saw, what, would be, what, 18 months ago? Would it be Absolutely. by then? Yeah, yeah you know. changed that whole proportion. I mean, I mean, for the Dagenham game, the ones that came in there, I was, who did we have there? Perhaps only, was it Lawrence Maguire? Did anybody else play in the last game? I'm just thinking, Curtis. really. Kurt, yeah, Kurt would have played, wouldn't he? No, so, some, certainly, uh, you know, a new team to look at. So Mike, what would your message be to any supporter who's thinking about buying a season ticket, hasn't done that yet, what would you say to them? I would say that you know, we, we're trying to get this club back into the EFL where it rightly belongs. Uh, we're investing um, in the infrastructure of the club but also out on the field as well. Um, we need support, um, our budgets next year are based around 4,000 supporters coming through the gate. Um, if we get more than that, we can strengthen the side more and we can do more on that. So, yeah, I would encourage anybody uh, who's been a season ticket holder in the past and is wondering whether to uh, buy one this year is to, yeah, buy one, come down, support the club, and let's see where we can take it. Yeah, so a reminder about that uh, deadline for early bird season ticket uh, discounts is the end of the month, so... Uh, um, please do come down and uh, and buy your season ticket. 
Yeah, that, yeah. Um, one of the things that uh, we have been asked for, actually, just going back to the streaming, is fans watching us around the world, is we've had a, f- a couple of requests come in that if somebody sends their, I guess it'd be their national flag from where they are and the Chesterfield supporters, could we put it up in the stadium? And that was particularly popular even for local supporters. So I think that's something we can look at doing. I think, you know, for people like uh, the Belgian spy rights, Tokyo spy rights, and I know we've got fans in the Ukraine, um, Australia, and around so um, I've seen it at other clubs as I've gone to meetings during the week and I know that uh, um, Chelsea have done it and and, uh, uh, FC United and Manchester so it's certainly something we can look at doing. It is incredible when you look at supporters from overseas who adopt Chesterfield as their club Um, I'm thinking about you mentioned there from the Ukraine we have uh, Volodymyr who's a Ukrainian spy writer and even ended up writing an article on um, Ernie Moss for a a football magazine so you know uh, the messages I received from him um, so delighted to have the connection with the club from afar and it's his dream to uh, come to the Technique Stadium one day it's just great how fans um, can can adopt a club like that and like Tokyo Sparite as well Kachuro yeah. who, who usually uh, visits us a couple of times a year yeah. spends a lot in the club superstore buys a lot of shirts for his uh, nieces and nephews and yeah. uh, so passionate about the club when he comes along and uh, it is really great to see John it, it is it is and uh, I mean he brings his friends as well sometimes and then the Belgian Sparites you know I see on uh, on Facebook some away games where you know they're setting off early in the morning and seeing them in a minibus and things like that to come over particularly when we're playing down south um, it's great and it's a great connection really and it's good for the for Chesterfield as a town and even when I was doing the online quizzes during uh, lockdown uh, we had uh, supporters from Brazil and, and Argentina taking part as well which was incredible really when you, you think that uh, you know they, they have an interest and, and they weren't just one off you know that they, they were regularly uh, attending and, uh, and taking part and feeling sort of part of the club yeah. online and we had that great sort of community spirit online what a great club this is I, I can't believe that there's so many people all over the world you know that are so passionate about it. I mean we are we live around here and it's our club but you know, to have people in, in other countries is fantastic. If if they are in Bra- particularly Brazil and Argentina, I think we could do with turning them into scouts. Would be a bad <laughs> idea, actually. <laughs> so um, we are coming up to uh, twelve months since the uh, community trust took over the running of the club. A lot has happened in that time. But Mike, if somebody was to uh, look and, and judge us from that uh, 12 month period how do you think they could summarise exactly what has happened? I think for the first year um, in charge I think that um, it's been steady, it's been a roller coaster. Um, we didn't start off too well, um, off the field we started improving immediately there was a lot of work to do and um, you know the um, stadium is, is far in a far better state than it was when we took over. Um, on the field I think that um, you know we've taken off since since November, and I think that uh, people would have said that we've actually overachieved. And uh, I think the place that the club is in now is uh, is far better than it was um, at the end of July last year. Uh, I don't think anybody would argue with that. And I think that you know we've stuck to the principles that we said we'd come in on, which was openness, honesty, and transparency. 
um, and integrity. And I think that we've stuck to those principles and we've um, brought to the club a, a passion again. Um, and the supporters have, have refound the passion in the club and um, wanting to come and watch us. And uh, I think it's, uh, you know, if the report card was there, I think you would say, um, well done, excellent first year, um, now move on. And there is a great community spirit amongst the, the, the club now and you see that from the uh, fact that we've got so many volunteers helping out and um, doing maintenance jobs around the stadium. I looked out last night uh, when we had a, a charity match and uh, saw some of the, the work that's planned, you know, areas that are taped, ready for painting, even the, the yellow lines on the steps and things like that. And, uh, you know, some great work being done by volunteers to uh, bring the stadium up to scratch. The volunteers are amazing. Um, they just want to come down, be part of the club, give their time up freely, and they want the club to succeed. They want it to be better, and they want to play their part with it. So all credit to them. I think it's tremendous. Right from the top to the bottom, people want to come and, and work with the club. Yeah, they've been tremendous. They've saved us thousands of pounds in work that we would have had to have done. In fact, today... Um, we've invited them in and we've got the chef preparing them some f some food as a thank you for the for the work they've done throughout the season all covid compliant of course but uh, yeah i've had a word with terry and and they're coming in later on and i think really that's the sort of least we can do you know so the chef's in of course ready for tonight isn't he he is um, indeed the yeah he is yeah. he is yep yeah. so yeah, we've, um, uh, we've sold quite a few tickets for that yeah we've yeah we have we've, well, we've in excess of 50 i think yeah yeah because obviously we, we sort of got to stick covid compliant yeah. but yeah there's a bit of uh, in fact in the euros there's obviously a bit of uh, spy interest now in that game as well we've got liam cooper uh, scotland and of course aaron ramsdale so uh, you know um bit always like to follow our uh, ex-players and now they go and of course the other day I noticed Rob Page is there with Wales as well so yeah of course uh, always great to see some uh, ex-spirites on the international scene I'm just wondering then when we're talking about the fans turning up tonight whether Jim Brown was going to be uh, wearing his Tartan Army t-shirt and coming along yeah I did I did wonder he's obviously got an open invitation um. <laughs> <laughs> with a Tamashanta um, and uh, yeah, um, I know that he will. Uh, he will obviously be be cheering on uh, Scotland tonight in yeah. the match. But uh, yeah, as you say, great to see somebody like Liam Cooper um, turning out uh, in the Euros. You know, who would have thought that when he was signed from Hull City Reserves? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So we look at um, some of the activities taking place that have been organised by the Community Trust and. Uh, this week we've been delighted to receive the trophy for the Planet Super League. Now, well, yeah. a lot of people perhaps won't know about that. We've had plenty of families taking part in this initiative. But John, if you could give us a, an overview of what Planet Super League is all about. Yeah, it's um, a, a range of activities that clubs are encouraged to get their supporters to uh, to take part in. And we've had screen saving times, uh, walking um, and um, it, it's there's been some, as usual, when we put an appeal out for community activities and getting supporters involved, we've had uh, we've had great, uh, uh, great, great people taking us up on that, and it's led to us winning Planet Super League, which you know the Premier League are involved with, which is great. Um, we, I think I'm right in saying we were the only National League club in it. We asked to be in it. 
um, as usual our community trust were straight on it when they heard about it um, but you know to finish in a league above Villa Spurs and, and other clubs MK Dons and a, a stream of other clubs is uh, you know you, you can't be bad well, let's give a mention to some of the uh, community tr- trust staff involved in delivering that the likes of uh, Rob and yep. Keith and Alice yep. Yep. all involved in getting families uh, involved in Planet Super League and uh, great to see people taking that challenge up and as you say winning all 11 matches there were sort of 11 virtual matches and yeah. for Chesterfield to come out on top Mike is uh, great credit to the supporters once again absolutely fantastic I mean we may be a National League club but we have a Premier League community trust there's, there's no two ways about that and, and they're so enthusiastic um, when any of these initiatives come out and they're straight on it and our supporters they respond in, in great numbers and um, I would point anybody to look at the video that uh, has come out from uh, Sky Sports on that one um, because it's amazing and mentions the families that have been involved and um, you know for us to actually win it with a perfect score um, 33 points is is fantastic you know it just shows you know what a good club this is and what a great supporter base we have. I mean even James couldn't beat that with the first team could he? That's something for James to aspire to. <laughs> so if you do want to see the uh, trophy being presented and some interviews on there take a look at our uh, YouTube channel you'll see the presentation a speech from you John as well as from the uh, co-founder Tom of, of Planet Super League who uh, really talked in glowing terms about the Chesterfield supporters and the way they've responded. Also we've got an interview with uh, Curtis Weston on there as well. Curtis somebody who's uh, uh, great with the community work, gives up a lot of his spare time, came along with several other players to uh, to attend the presentation. should mention uh, Lawrence Maguire was yeah. there, uh, Joe Rowley, George Carline. So for them all to give up their free time to attend that and uh, um, show their support was terrific John. Yeah it was, it was great and shows, uh, shows the feeling around the club really with the community trust. Um, as you say it's their close season, it's their break time and they haven't got long of it this year but they were happy to come in you know. Another thing which has been great this week as well, last 10 days or so really, is that we've been able to uh, pretty much hand the pitch over to the community trust and we've had uh, all, pretty much all day, every day, our different groups playing on there from um, the academy have been on with all their age groups, uh, we've had our pan disability groups, um, our alcohol and substance recovery groups have been playing on there, so it's been great to see really as, as I've been sort of doing work around the club and, and seeing, seeing them out there, so it's, it's been really encouraging and again shows the community feel. And what other activities do we have in the pipeline for the Trust? Yeah, well, obviously um, for summer it's a busy time for the Trust. We've got the um, soccer schools that we'll be doing throughout uh, throughout the summer um, and we're already taking bookings on that for people, if, if anybody wants to book on that, that's Keith and is leading his team with that. Um, and then regarding the uh, Academy, I know that uh, they're finishing their education courses this week, but uh, by no means are the Trust's education courses finishing uh, for the summer. Things like traineeships carry on throughout the summer, and uh, we've still got some of the alternative provision youngsters in, but the Saturday morning clubs as well. So um, if it's well worth going on to the uh, um, Community Trust website and, and having a look, really. We, 
So before we uh, finish this podcast, Mike, I think you've got some uh, closing comments, first of all, that you want to make. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I just want to thank all of uh, our supporters for a start. Uh, it's been a very, very difficult year with the pandemic um, and the club being taken over by an unknown in terms of a charity has never owned a football club before, but they've been magnificent in the way that they've supported us through the streaming um, and through the club shop and through the Spire Lotto and, and whatever. So it has been enlightening to see that and, and it's been a very, very proud part of my life to, to actually be involved with the football club at this stage. Um, but there are a lot of people that have put a lot of work in and, and principally I, I would like to thank my colleagues on the board because they've been tireless in the way that they've worked for the club. Um, you know, the likes of Martin Thacker and David Simmons, Terry Ward, uh, Jane Cooper and Paul Stankard. Um, and they've been magnificent in the support for me. So I'm, I'm really grateful to them and um, I hope that this next season we can build on what we've got now. That would be great. And from you, John? Yeah, from me, I would like to thank our sponsors for the loyalty they've shown us this year. Um, it's been challenging for them in that uh, it's been difficult sometimes to offer them the packages that they were promised, um, in particularly if it's a, an ongoing situation where it's more than one year. But they've all been worked with us and we've managed to be pragmatic and work our way through it, which has been fantastic. Um, I'd also very much like to thank the staff that have worked uh, um, through so many unusual unprecedented circumstances in both the club and the trust um, in both areas a number of staff have worked continually through the pandemic particularly at the trust where they've been working with vulnerable groups which has been delivering essential community projects so um, I think they're well all well worthy of a mention also before we finally do go um, there are two people that I would especially like to thank, uh, and that is John himself, John Crude and Andrew Fanta. They have put so much time in during this last season. I mean, uh, a 35-hour week doesn't exist at Chesterfield Football Club. Um, John is working double of that, and so, and so is Andrew. But what they've achieved in, in bringing this organisation together and pushing us forward has been uh, nothing short of remarkable. So big thanks for that, John, and, and thank you to Andrew. I've said it often enough to him as well. Uh, and also to you, Nick. Um, you know, this is um, you know the first really public role that I've had, and you, you've guided me through it, um, you know, admirably, uh, so that I've not made any gaffes in, in the public domain. Uh, so thanks, thanks very much for that. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast, and we look forward to the next episode of We Are Sailing.